O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. Stand up for your country. So uh, an interesting news day, not a, a big headline day, but a bunch of stuff that directly affects you. Um, and we'll run it down for you in our usual methodical way. I am going to have some financial stuff for you because I'm getting overwhelmed with letters from people who are worried about their personal finances and what they should and should not do. So uh, we will have that coming up. So as I promised you, I'm going to give you President Biden's schedule every day because he doesn't seem to be doing very much uh, in his job as the most powerful man in the world. So at 10.15 today, uh, Mr. Biden had his daily briefing. As we mentioned yesterday, Jimmy Carter used to start at 7 a.m. Donald Trump, he would wander down anywhere between 10 and 11. Uh, He was not an early riser. Um, I shouldn't say that because he never went to bed, never went to sleep. He's a vampire. Um, But Mr. Biden begins his day at 10.15 with a briefing. And what that is is that people give him stuff and this is what happened overnight is what you should know. Then at 2 o'clock, the president took off for Chester, Pennsylvania, uh, an Air Force One, uh, and he visited another small business. This is what he did last week. He visited a hardware store in Philly. Now he's got a Another small business in Chester. I I don't know. This is just photo op stuff. It doesn't really matter. He could call the people in Chester on the phone. I'm sure they're happy to see him, sign some stuff and all that. But he didn't have to go to Chester to visit a small business person. And then he goes home to Wilmington, Delaware. He was just there on Sunday. (laughs) Now he's back. So um, that's his day. That's it. Now, somewhere along the line, uh, Joe Biden's going to have to tape an interview with uh, Georgie Stephanopoulos for tomorrow's Good Morning America. Nobody even knows about this interview. All right. I've been, I've been asking everybody. We don't know. But they're taping an interview. Uh, they're going to run it tomorrow morning, ABC says. ABC won't tell us when they're taping it. I don't know. Maybe they already did it. Since the president really had anything to do to 2 p.m., maybe he did it at noon. Or maybe Georgie had lunch with him and then they did it. I don't know. They're not saying it. Why aren't they saying it? I don't know. Okay. So we're going to watch uh, the interview on Good Morning America very closely um, tomorrow morning. And we will report back to you. Now, I have three questions that I'm going to tell you in a minute that Georgie should ask, but that Georgie will not ask. Why wouldn't he ask? Well, first of all, he is President Biden's go-to guy. This is the fifth interview that uh, Biden has granted to Stephanopoulos since he was involved in the presidential sweepstakes. All right. So Biden likes George. Why wouldn't you? George isn't a journalist. He's a Democrat apparatchnik. He worked in the Clinton White House. But ABC News doesn't, I guess, doesn't have a lot of journalists since I left. Because Georgie's like their top gun over there. Anyway, George has interviewed the president five times. And uh, you remember that, who is Barack Obama's go-to guy? You guys remember? Who? Steve Croft, 60 Minutes. Remember that? Whenever Barack Obama wanted to talk to the television news media, which has, wasn't often, he'd go to Croft. Now, Croft wasn't a cupcake, but he wasn't the usual Steve Croft. You know, he, he gave President Obama a lot of room. Who was Trump's guy? Sean Hannity. Okay, that's where he would go 
if uh, President Trump wanted to get something out. Now, there's nothing wrong with having go-to guys. Um, you know, if I were president, I, I'd have people that I, I knew I'd get a fair shake with. But with George Stephanopoulos, beyond a fair shake. So there are three glaring things that President, um, president Biden should be addressing. Three. The first one is, Mr. President, I'm Georgie now, all right? What is your precise plan to stop hundreds of thousands of migrants from breaching the border? What is your precise plan? We don't want to hear about theory. We don't want you blaming Trump. We don't want any of that. What's your precise plan to stop hundreds of thousands? Remember, in February, more than 100,000 migrants were detained by Border Patrol. Now, the estimate is for every one detained, three get in. If that's true, and I don't know whether it is, that would mean there's 400,000 migrants in February. Second question, Mr. President, have you considered that higher taxes might hurt the fragile economy? Everybody knows the economy is fragile because of COVID. Now you want to raise taxes? They're going to hurt? Again, no wiggle room on that. No wiggle room on the first one. Precise plan. Have you considered it might hurt? No wiggle room. If he starts to deviate, Georgie's got to pull him back in. Okay. Third question. Mr. President, why do you think, why do you think violent crime is rising? And what is your plan to correct that? Now, that's a pretty complicated question. Do any of you have any confidence that Joe Biden could answer that question? I don't. Now, it's true that crime in Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles, all other cities are local and state problems. However, he's the president of the United States. Does he have a theory, an opinion on why violent crime is up sometimes triple digits in the nation's largest towns? Why? I know why. But he doesn't know why. It's because of the Nobel loss. That's why. Okay, so those are the three questions that I, your humble correspondent, would ask. And that's the reason why I, your humble correspondent, will never in a million years get anywhere close to President Biden. Because I would ask and insist on answers. Now, Georgie, I'm going to be fair to him. Obviously, his past... Four interviews with Joe Biden have been softballs from top to bottom. We'll be fair tomorrow, but we'll have it for you. Okay, so um, the big thing is the border because you can see the border. You can see it. And people in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, they're in trouble. Hundreds of thousands coming over. All right. So Joe Biden didn't say anything. Nothing. But his Homeland Security chief, Alejandro Mercas, said this on Good Morning America. Go. What we are doing is addressing young children who come to the border to make claims under the humanitarian laws that our country has established years and years ago. And we are building the capacity to address the needs of those children when they arrive. But we are also and critically sending an important message that now is not the time to come to the border. No, now is not the time. So maybe May, 
oh, September. Remember, these are foreign nationals, these children, being smuggled across the border by the drug cartels, which charge ahead. Why are the children coming? Because once the children get here, their parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters can all come over, according to the Biden plan. Now, if Georgie was awake, and I don't think he was during the interview, I think he dozed, uh, he would have said, gee, you know, when President Trump, the last year in office, would have any of this because of the return to Mexico policy, children and adults. You couldn't get in. But ever since uh, the election on November 3rd, there's been thousands and thousands and thousands of migrant children and adults coming over here. Don't you think that might be at President Biden's doorstep? Legitimate follow-up question, right? But no, 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 no. The Homeland Security guy goes, oh, we're rebuilding and establishing. It's all a bunch of BS. You know it is. Everybody knows it is. Trump stopped it. Biden opened the border. That's it. That's it. Nothing more. So the president's spokeswoman, Jen Psaki, she's getting hammered with questions about the border. Roll it. But I will say that um, FEMA is uh, there to help uh, ensure that the people who are at the border, who are coming across the border, uh, have access to uh, can to HHS and ORR shelters that we can swiftly place them with vetted families. They're, they're playing a number of roles uh, there uh, to address what we feel is a significant problem and a significant challenge. And I think we haven't, uh, we haven't uh, stepped, been hiding about that. Oh, no, yeah, I've been hiding. Well, President of the United States hasn't said one word. That's not hiding? What is that then? You not say one word? And according to Misaki, it's a significant problem and a significant challenge. And the president doesn't say a word? No tweet, no statement, nothing. It's just so much BS, it just hurts. This is so crazy. Is it not? So then late today, Homeland Security comes out and says, quote, we are on track to encounter more migrants than we've encountered in the last 20 years. And not one word from Biden? Less 20 years, not Trump. You gotta go back 20. I mean, this is just, talk about out of control. And he's only been in office 50 days. And already things are out of control on the southern border. Now, if I am exaggerating, if I am misstating, if, please write me a letter. Please hold me accountable. But what I've told you is absolutely 100% true. So what about the 82 million people voted for Joe Biden? Did I not care? Did they, did they not see it? I'm going to deal with that in the final thought of the day. So the Rasmussen Daily Tracking Poll every day, job approval. Uh, Biden, 51% likely U.S. voters approve of what job he's doing. 47% disapprove. Okay, 3% I guess don't know who Joe Biden is. But anyway, this is not a good approval rating after 50 days. And it's about to get a lot worse. Why? Because of the economy. That's why. And that is the big issue. That immigration, migration is going to hurt the Biden administration. The economy could sink it. 
So with COVID on the run, and it is here in the United States, um, the economy will surge in the short term because people will go out and spend more money. And now they have $1,400 from the feds, free money, and that helps, and that'll go into circulation. So you'll get the economy in the next, I don't know, four or five months. It should be okay. But then if the Democrats manage to pass a big tax rise, remember the stock market and everybody else builds this stuff in months in advance, then you're going to start to see layoffs. You're going to get people laid off from your job. See, this is what I asked President Biden yesterday. And Georgie could ask tomorrow if Georgie can stay awake. If you raise taxes on corporations, don't you understand, Mr. President, they're going to lay people off. Then it's not going to take a haircut on the bottom line. They're going to lay people off and they're going to raise prices on their products if they can. That's what always happens. Always happens. When you cut taxes on corporations and affluent people, all right, then more money gets into circulation, more jobs are created, more research and development happens, and the economy goes up, as it did under President Trump. Okay? So if it weren't for COVID, I always said this, Trump would have been reelected fairly easily. COVID killed him on a number of fronts. Um, now, let's get back to you. So you're writing me letters, what should I do, what should I do, what should I do? And I can't give you personal financial advice, all right? That's for these radio guys or whoever does that. I, I can't do that. If you're a concierge member to BillOReilly.com, I can tell you what I'm doing. That's allowed. But I want to bring in a guy that I've worked with for many years in the first part of my association with the Oxford Club. All I was was a subscriber, an anonymous subscriber. All right. And I got their newsletter and I did some of what they suggested and, and it worked out for me. So I bought a lifetime membership. And again, I didn't have any contact with anybody at Oxford. I just said it was pretty good. And then they got onto it. They're not real swift on the uptake. It took them like 12 years to figure out, oh, that might be Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> and then they said, hey, would you interview uh, one of our top guys, Alex Green? I said, sure. And the reason I did it, because I don't do this stuff often, was because I wanted you to see what Green has to say. You see, if it worked for me, it could work for you. That's the only reason I did it. So here's Alex Green from Orlando, Florida. He is the chief investment strategist for the Oxford Club. Now, it's a pretty fair setup, would you say? I, I'd say it was. And th thank you for being a subscriber, Bill. <laughs> well, listen, it was for my benefit. I wasn't doing you any favors. Your advice worked for me. Might not work for somebody else. I always say you're going to get into the investment game, no matter what the investment is, you could lose. So always keep that in mind. Okay, so I'm getting these letters, and people are basically saying they want me to be Karnak the Magnificent, the old Johnny Carson, and predict what's going to happen, and I can't. What do you see for the stock market the rest of 2021? Right. Well, uh, I, I should begin by saying that not just me and not just you, but no one can accurately and consistently predict what the economy is going to do. It's just too complicated. There's too many moving parts. You've got interest rates and currencies and commodity prices and government policies and scientific innovations and business developments and so on. However, 
I will say that uh, Joe Biden, uh, while he inherited the pandemic, he also inherited some pretty positive things, including a Federal Reserve that's just pulling out all the stops. I mean, they're, they're buying up bonds to reduce uh, yields to stimulate growth. They're holding interest rates near zero, which makes it cheaper for consumers and businesses and governments to borrow. Um, and of course, the government has spent, uh, not just spent, but our deficit for the last 13 months, when you include the new $1.9 trillion relief package, um, is $6.4 trillion in additional debt. So when you have ultra low interest rates and trillions of dollars in deficit spending, obviously that's going to have a positive economic effect. And that's what the economy, uh, but investors sense is that when you look forward between the pandemic receding and the economy, economy reopening and all these consumers flush with cash because of the stimulus and because the savings rates at a 50 year high, it's very likely that the second half of this year is going to be a barn burner because everyone's going to get out and dine and travel and spend and make up for lost time. And so that's a near term plus for the economy and the stock market simply reflecting that reality. All right, let me stop you there. So a lot of people say the debt at 30 trillion is unsustainable. You can't sustain it. And that yeah. will down the road, nobody knows when, come yeah. back and make uh, the economy painful. How yes. would that unfold? We're, we're talking now um, conjecture, but how would that unfold? Well, you, you can look uh, throughout history and see that there have been countries like Greece and Argentina and Zimbabwe and going back to the Weimar Republic. When debt gets out of hand, it, it produces an economic catastrophe. However, that catastrophe isn't going to happen until investors uh, start to sense that the government can't actually finance its debt, when it has trouble making uh, the interest payments on the debt, which could happen if interest rates normalize, I mean, we, we had ultra low interest rates for so low. If interest rates would go to four or five percent on government debt, it means that the, the what the government would be paying annually would be trillions more in, in interest, and it could have a, all kinds of negative ramifications. So the market's ignoring that now because investors look out six to nine months, not six to nine years. I'm not saying it would take that long, but no one no one is has any concerned that the U.S. government isn't going to be able to finance its its debt for the next year or two. So, okay. so that's is there, is there any way that any way that individuals can protect themselves from six years from now when all this comes comes home? Right. Well, it's, it's, it's probably too early to protect yourself from the debt that's mounting now. But ultimately, they need inflation hedges like Treasury, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities or TIPS for short. Uh, gold is an inflation head, gold and silver, and gold equities, the companies that pull those out of the ground, natural resource companies of all kinds like oil and gas. Um, but uh, I, I think it's, it's important to, for all investors to remember, you want to have a diversified portfolio. You want to you have something in case the future is, is worse than people expect, but you want to also have something in case it's better than people expect. Yeah, because I, I got it. I got it. So the commodities and the gold and the silver at least afford you some kind of protection if the worst happens. Now let's go into the taxes. There's no doubt that the Biden administration is going to raise taxes or try. Maybe the Republicans will be able to block it in the Senate. Maybe not. Um, the wealth tax is in play. Um, that's confiscation of private property. And people go, well, I want to hand money down to my parent, uh, my, my children and grandchildren. Uh, how do I do that? 
I say that everybody now with assets has to have a lawyer, a financial lawyer to help them navigate themselves because you're going to need to protect your money against the government. The government's coming for your money. Am I wrong? Right. Right. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. In fact, Joe Biden ran promising to raise individual tax rates, promising to raise the corporate tax rate, promising to raise taxes on dividends and capital gains. Uh, and it's it's no secret. I'm hoping the wealth tax doesn't happen because, Bill, I agree with you. It's flatly unconstitutional. The Fifth Amendment of the United States says plainly that to take private property for public uses requires uh, just compensation. So you, you can't just come in and take someone's money or assets because they have a lot of it. But you, your introduction was absolutely right, Bill. When, when the government raises taxes on corporations and affluent individuals, a company, anything that, that the government does to, to encourage business formation and expansion is positive for people because that means uh, if they have a tax cut, as the one Trump enacted, they have more money to expand, more money for research and development, more money for capital equipment, more money for hiring, more money for technology or for raising wages. Uh, and if you raise taxes, they have less money for all those things. And so people who think it's only right that government raise taxes on corporations, they need to understand, first of all, we had the highest corporate tax rate in the developed world at 35 percent. And under the Trump administration, they brought it down to 21 percent. And according to the Tax Foundation, the average uh, corporate tax rate in Europe, in the European Union, is 21.8%. So this, it's, it's not like we're giving money away to corporations. And if we raise corporate tax rates, we make U.S. corporations less globally competitive. How is that a good thing for American workers? They have less money to for wages and equipment and technology. It's not. And it's going to hurt. Dividend and you think money. that Biden would know that after eight years of Obama. After eight years where the economy was more abundant, didn't do anything. Uh, no exactly. matter what kind of propaganda they would. All right, last question. So um, I'm in a position where I'm looking at a whole bunch of things to protect my assets and to be able to pass my assets down, not only to my children, but to charitable foundations and things like that. But this takes, it takes a little bit of money. You're going to have to spend it on advisors and lawyers and things like that. But it's, I think this is the key. You really have to know all of your options to protect yourself against your own government. Because these right. people, if they get more power, these progressives, they want socialism. Last word. Right. Well, you're right, Bill. When the, when the income tax was enacted, only the top 1% paid any tax at all. If we have a wealth tax enacted, maybe it's first billionaires, then millionaires, then the upper middle class. So to get their foot in the door and even begin taxing wealth is, I think, is, is a huge negative, not to mention unconstitutional. And raising interest rates on individuals and corporations is the wrong way to go about it. A better thing to do is to raise the tax base by growing the economy, simplifying the tax code, eliminating all the loopholes that people have to buy expensive tax shelters and lawyers. And because I don't any more than you, I don't want to see billionaires not paying any taxes. So yeah, let's just have a flat tax or a VAT or a temporary VAT to overcome the COVID stuff. There are creative ways, but that's not, you know what that, these people don't want that, Alex. They want to punish no. the wealthy. They want it to takes punish. The, take away their power. They, they want right. to tweak the tax code so that they can uh, use their power and get reelected too. Yeah, because the more money you have, the more freedom you have, the more uh, personal power you have. They don't want that. And that's what's going on. Alex Green. Uh, from the Oxford Club. Uh, I talked with Alex recently about the future of, uh, of technology and how that's going to uh, change the stock market and all that. So you might want to 
check all that out. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 Remembrance Across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Um, all right, let's go to uh, California. So there's a poll, Emerson College, that's in Boston. Um, they go out there and they talk to 46 Democrats, 24 Republicans, and 30 independents. Now, they do that because California is such a heavily Democratic state. I understand. But Emerson, let me break this to you. You're not going to get an accurate picture by having 12 a 22% deficit on Republicans. You're not. Now, the question was simple. Would you recall Gavin Newsom? Would you boot him out of office? Yes or no? Vote to boot him out, 38%. Even with a 22% Democrat uh, deficit for Republicans. 38% want to boot him. 42% want to keep him. Okay, so I continue to say I think Newsom is toast. And I think Newsom knows he's toast. Go. The principal sponsor of this recall effort wants to put microchips in immigrant aliens. Uh, we have folks that are literally part of the 3% militia group, right wing group, that are part of the principal proponents of this effort. But here's, Joy, why we should be more concerned about it. Where it has a lot to do with me, it has a lot to do with everybody watching. It has to do with our values as Democrats. Yeah, so the uh, crazy people are responsible for the recall petition. This is Newsom. All right, let me break it to you, Governor. Here's who's responsible. Number one, all the small business owners that you wrecked, all right, by your insane lockdown that did no good at all if you compare your state's COVID transmission to Florida's, which didn't lock down. That's a fact. That's the truth. So that's number one. All the small business owners, all the people who lost their job in the service industry, they hate you. They want you out. The second uh, peop, uh, group that wants you out are the personal freedom group. So you in Sacramento and your loony state assembly there don't want any freedom in California. You want the cancel culture. You want no bail. You want the criminals on the streets. You want the homeless people all over the place. All of this is documented. All right. I don't think there's a human being on earth who could do a worse job than you're doing in California. Is there one is there anybody who could do a worse job? Maybe Stephen Colbert. Maybe. Okay? But, you know, it comes a point where incompetency hurts people personally. That's why they're going to boot you out. And they don't necessarily care who takes your place. They want you out. And I think that's what's going to happen this summer. Um, 
mm, mm, mm. Washington Post. So the Washington Post, one of the two elite newspapers, when I say elite, doesn't mean they're great, doesn't mean they're good, doesn't mean they're fair. They're none of those things. But they have the reputation, the legacy of, uh, oh, yeah, we have uh, the best of everything here. So both the New York Times and Washington Post use anonymous sources to try to destroy Donald Trump, the president. You know that every article. There's one woman at the New York Times who wrote 135 articles on Donald Trump using anonymous sources. 135. Maggie Haberman. I mean, that is just, you couldn't get anybody on a record? Nobody? Okay. So the Washington Post, this is a very interesting story. They run an article on December 23rd, 2020, about President Trump allegedly threatening some state people in Georgia. And they based it on anonymous sources, threatening because the president believed that Georgia's vote was fraudulent, which he did. That's true. But apparently, according to Washington Post, he called up somebody, all right, Francis Watson, and said, find the fraud. He was bullying this guy, Watson. Never happened. So yesterday, two months later, here's what the Washington Post said, quote, two months after publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top elections investigator. Quoting revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the most important job in the country right now. The headline and text of this story have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to Trump, unquote. So this was a fake, phony story from the jump. Now, in cases like this, if you're a journalist and somebody lies to you, an anonymous source, and you print it, and it turns out to be a lie, then you unmask the source. You tell everybody who misled you. The Washington Post do that? No. Didn't do it. Why not? Two reasons. Either the Washington Post doesn't care about honesty, or they made it up. The reporter made it up. Doesn't have a source. Has to be one or the other. We live in a corrupt time, a corrupt time. And that is reflected in the tanking television news ratings. Okay, I told you this a long time ago. I'm sure you remember. So how about the facts? According to Variety Magazine, CNN primetime lineup is a disaster now. Don Lemon, from January 4th of this year to March 1st, about two months, his show has decreased 72% in audience, 72%. Anderson Cooper's show, 72% drop. Chris Cuomo's show, 68% decrease. That's in two months. Why? Because they don't have Trump to hate. MSNBC, they did a little bit differently here. Um, from January 4th to March 1st, instead of, uh, no, no, it's the same. Rachel Maddow, 40% decrease. <laughs> 40% gone. 
All right. Fox News. This is the difference. OK. Fox News, they compared this time to last year. In primetime, Fox has dropped 26% from March to March so far, 26%. That's primetime across the board. Daytime, 27%. Now, I'm going to track the uh, network news numbers. They're going down, too. I told you, once Donald Trump leaves the stage, he's the star of all the TV news. Love him or hate him. They're all... Free fall. Woo. Boom. So uh, Walt Disney owns ABC. Walt Disney, as I've said, is not my favorite corporation. I believe that they are at the forefront of uh, the political correct mania, the cancel culture. Uh, they do a lot of damage to the country. ABC News runs The View. Did you know that? It's not entertainment. It's ABC News. So yesterday there was an amazing, because I don't run many clips in The View because it's so crazy, right? An amazing display. Roll it. We can say Ron Johnson's an absolute moron. We can say that not all uh, activism is, is violent. But the idea that Antifa doesn't exist is just is just factually inaccurate and wrong and a lie. Joy. I just want to clarify that Christopher Ray, who is the FBI director, says that Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. There is no sign that they were involved in the capital siege. Let's be clear. I'm not saying That's they were involved in the Capitol siege. I'm okay. saying they exist. That's all. I'm done. It exists. I said my said thing, and you, you said, said yours. You said it was we're a done. fantasy. You said Antifa doesn't exist, we'll and it's a right fantasy back. like this. It's, a, it's an idea. It's an no, idea, it's not, not no, a real not. thing. So it's not a real thing, Antifa. So Antifa of Portland, which uh, has been around uh, since 2017, they were kind of shocked. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're, we're, we go out every night and burn things down under the banner of Antifa, but Joy Behar's is not a real thing. This is the kind of stuff that's on Nationwide TV. All right, cancel culture, uh, just briefly, Columbia University, Ivy League school, holding six separate graduations. One for Native Americans, one for Lavender Americans, that's gay people, one for Asians, one for first-generation low-income community, one for Latinx, and one for Blacks. And then if you don't fit into any of those categories, you can go to the general ceremony. So there's actually seven graduations at Columbia. Seven. Yeah, you don't want to divide or anything, do you? Yeah. <laughs> it's day in history. 49 years ago, March 16th, 1972, John Lennon and Yoko Ono ordered into federal court to be deported. Did you know this? Well, this is a fascinating story. 1971, Lennon arrived here, the former Beatle, on a visitor's visa. In 1968, in Britain, he was uh, found guilty of possessing marijuana. So he had a drug beef. You're not supposed to come to the USA if you have a drug conviction. But Lennon did anyway. So he gets here and he becomes a big uh, opposition guy to the Vietnam War, uh, records Give Peace a Chance with his wife Yoko Ono, and Richard Nixon wants to kick him out of the country. So... There it goes. He had to re, uh, report 49 years ago. Lennon could afford the best lawyers. They rope a dope. They kept him in a country until Nixon got booted out of the White House for Watergate. And then a three-judge federal panel said, you know what? We're going to let Lennon stay. And that happened. It was an amazing story. 
It really, really was. All right, we got mail, which is good. We got final thought about how to treat your friends who voted for Joe Biden. Coming right back. Time is our most precious asset. And many listeners seek advice on utilizing it wisely for personal growth and societal impact. Hillsdale College addresses this need by providing more than 40 free online courses on essential subjects. Dive into C.S. Lewis's works, explore Genesis narratives, grasp the U.S. Constitution's significance, unravel the Roman Republic's history, or delve into the ancient Christian church with these valuable courses, all accessible free. Now, you might want to check out Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution, a 12-lecture self-paced course, gain insights into the Constitution's design, its challenges during the Civil War, and its century-long struggles with progressivism and liberalism. You can enroll at hillsdale.edu bill to become a defender of American freedom. Please join now. It's free, easy, and essential for safeguarding our liberties. Visit hillsdale.edu slash bill to register. Okay, let's get on to the mail. Mitchell Keller, Lakemore, Illinois. Bill, I was listening to you about President Biden's tax hike plan. I know Democrats wouldn't be happy if it doesn't pass, but wouldn't it be better for them because if it does pass and the economy tanks, 2022 could be a good year. Look, the socialists don't care about that. They just want to get into power and to take as much money as possible. And whatever happens down the road happens. Jonathan Natch, Wellesley, Massachusetts. Last night during the mail segment, you read a letter asking if Joe Biden was breaking the law by not enforcing immigration statutes at the border. Well, I concur with your response that Biden is not himself breaking the law. Isn't he violating his oath of office? Not really because the oath of office is subject to interpretation. That's how they always do it, all right? So you'll uphold the Constitution. They can find loopholes, and that's what they're doing. So you're not going to get Biden on that. He will get it on the policy front. Barry, concierge member, means Barry gets direct access to me. I'm making the assumption that most of the illegal aliens crossing the border want to be caught so they can register with the government. Two areas. The single men don't want to be caught because they'll get sent right back. But the families and the children do want to be caught, and the asylum seekers do want to be caught. And that could include single men. So if you're a, you want to be caught if you're um, asking for asylum because you get released right away. If you're a kid, you want to be caught so your family comes over. Richard Ulrey, Green Valley, Arizona, another phrase to be canceled. What do you make of that? That's excellent. I should have had that on my list. Yesterday we did a list of we're participating in the cancel culture by knocking out cliches like it is what it is. And at the end of the day, when you hear a journalist say, what do you make of that? No, that person is too lazy to come up with a question, a legitimate, specific question. Lawrence Peck, Plano, Texas. I love the segment on the cliches. I remember my favorite in the 90s was viable alternative. I never understood why someone would choose an alternative that was viable. That's just gobbledygook. You know that viable alternative. Yeah. Okay. Dennis, concierge member, at the end of the day, I think you are right, Bill. Your book, Killing the Mob, will wildly beat out The Godfather. I am just saying. 
<laughs> you, got them, you got a lot of them in there. David Concierge, remember, Bill, I received my $1,400 stimulus payment. Per your advice, I'm donating, donating it to the Independence Fund. You're a patriot, David. You are a patriot taking that money and giving it to the severely wounded vets at independencefund.org. Very nice. Patricia, I thought the same thing about Andrew Cuomo. I'm not a fan of his, but I feel he's being denied due process, as you pointed out in your column, Bill. Love you to read the column. The Death of Fairness in America. It's on the website. Hope you read it. Steve Young, Springfield, Illinois. I agree, Bill. Godfather 1 and 2 are terrific movies. They could not be made today because of the cancel culture, probably. I don't know if they have the talent to make those movies today. I mean, did you see the Academy Award nominees? Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Okay, if you uh, order Killing the Mob, pre-order it at May 4th. Get 50% off uh, Killing Crazy Horse. You twin the two great Father's and Mother's Day gifts. Give the mom and dad two books. Think ahead, think ahead, save money. All right, you'll, and you could sneak read them first. Word of the day, do not be craven. C-R-A-V-E-N. Not a good thing to be. Back with a final thought in a moment. All right, time now for the final thought of the day. It's obvious to any fair-minded person, anybody who's paying attention, President Biden's having some trouble, all right? And he's just in office 50 days or whatever it is. Um, so what about all the 82 people, 82 million people who voted for him? So you can do it two ways. You can mock them. You could scorn them. I don't think I'd do that. I'm not doing that. I give my friends who I know really well a little jab, you know, here and there in a funny way. But for those I don't know that well, who I know voted for Biden, I just say, what do you think about the border? What do you think about the gas price rise? What do you think about maybe uh, more taxes, paying more taxes? I ask them. All right. And I don't do it in a disrespectful way. I don't sneer at them. I'll do that. I asked somebody the other day, hey, you know, uh, Joe Biden is uh, taking credit for the COVID vaccine. And he is somewhat. Uh, you think that's fair? So this causes people to think, not hate you right off the bat. I assume everybody hates me, so it doesn't matter. But you, you won't have friendly relationships with your friends and family. But ask them the questions and see what they say. Now, a lot of them have spat the point, oh, it's Trump's fault on the border. It's Trump's fault. You know, and once you hear that, it's, hey, good night. Thank you. <laughs> Don't even bother. I mean, if anybody's going to believe that President Trump thing shut down the migrant intrusion is responsible for it now. I mean, there's no reasoning with that. You just say, you know, see you later. Maybe we'll have lunch in November. <laughs> that kind of thing. Keep a sense of humor about this. I know it's not funny. I know it's frustrating. But you'll do better if you simply ask pertinent questions. See you tomorrow.